Welcome to Just One Q. I'm Dr. Melissa Horn, a diversity, equity, and inclusion advocate. In this podcast, I chat with industry experts and thought leaders about the latest trends related to diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. Each episode, I ask just one question tied to current events. The goal is to leave you with the tools that you need to drive change in your own life, both personally and professionally. An important part of my job is to watch and anticipate trends in the field of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And one of the signs that is most heartening is the number of job postings I'm starting to see for chief diversity officers and other internal DEI roles within companies. But many of these new positions are ending up in human resources departments. Is this where DEI should be? Is DEI an HR function or does it belong as a standalone department? Given that diversity, equity, and inclusion are critical elements to a successful business and workplace culture, does it then warrant its own place alongside rather than under HR? So for today's question, I'm asking where should DEI sit within an organization? Should it be in HR or on its own? And to answer today's question, I'm joined today by Garima Gupta. Garima is an inclusion activist and HR leader. Her great passion is to focus on the work around inclusion, equity, and diversity in the workplace and beyond to continuously work on reducing bias from process, policy, and from workplace practices. She helps organizations that are scaling up to rethink their culture and become more open to other cultures' additions as they grow in new geographies. Grima has worked as a human resource leader for over 15 years across industries and geographies, including India, China, Australia, Sub-Saharan Africa, the US, UK, and Central American countries. She speaks at events and conducts workshops on topics of inclusion, equity, and diversity to share her unique perspective of working within a global workforce and constantly changing environments. Grima, thank you so much for being here. I've been reading a lot about this topic in preparation for our conversation, but I'm really looking forward to your take. So let's dive in. Where do you think DEI should be sitting within an organization? Thank you, Melissa, for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure. When you and I spoke, one of the things that I was reading said that DEI goes to HR to die. <laughs> and it is it comes up in multiple articles and people have different perspectives. I am not an expert in DEI, but I'm still kind of an explorer. Um, and I believe that there is work to do over there. And I definitely feel as an HR professional, and on top of that, as a DEI professional now, I definitely feel that HR has a role to play. In certain organizations, I believe that the right place for uh, DEI to sit is HR, and maybe in certain organizations, it's not. I think what it depends on is who are those people who are sitting on your HR team, mm -hmm. and what is their intent to be able to impact the DEI goals that the organization needs to hit. And that will define whether HR is the right place or the wrong place for DEI to sit in the organization. So that's interesting. I'd love to sort of get an example of when you think DEI needs to sit or where it's applicable for DEI to sit in HR. So I think if the last two years with the pandemic and you know the racial justice movement really spiking up has shown a lot of us in HR and outside of HR that a lot of these things that we were trying to do in the last two years of taking care of people, of really understanding how to quickly change and transform the way we work, of really understanding what does it take for us to work in these environments and pivot as much as we could in all of those elements. I think HR has finally shown that this is the value that it can bring to the table, right? And in doing that, as things are happening very, very quickly in the world, whether we take the Ukraine 
crisis that is happening at the moment, whether we take you know, the whole AAPI crisis that was happening and you know, how people were suffering through the, all of that hate that was happening in the US and the world over. The thing is that, that employees nowadays want a response from the organization. Employees nowadays look up to the organization sometimes if they do not have a government that they believe in, if they do not have politicians that they are supporting. And so you, HR is sitting in the middle of you know, the employees and the leadership. And therefore, you have a role to play. So in the same sense, when things are happening under the DEI umbrella, if HR professionals do not know what to do, and if HR professionals do not have an inkling of how to hold the hands of employees who are feeling the hurt, who are feeling that I don't know how to react or respond to this, then how do you do your job as HR professionals? So for me, I firmly believe that HR professionals need to understand their own role, their own impact, their own intent in doing this work and therefore be able to say that either they are partnering or they are truly DEI professional themselves. I'll give you an example of my own team. So I play a role here at eDiscovery tech organization based out of Chicago. And I play the role of a senior director where I look after three parts of the business in HR. I have the HRVP team reporting into me, the international HR, and then I'm the head of inclusion. And since the time I've come, I think one of the things that I've been trying to instill on my team is that if you are an HR business partner, and if you do not understand what inclusion means, mm -hmm. then you're not doing your job at 100%, right? And so we've started calling ourselves the inclusive HRVPs. And what we mean by that and how are we, we are kind of implementing this in the company is that we want to sit down and understand sometimes when employee relations issues come to us or when a complaint about discrimination come to us, not just follow it by the T in terms of what the policy is and what the, but understanding the human impact of it, sitting right. down and listening to the story on both sides before making the judgment that no, this is poor performance and therefore this needs to be you know a warning or a performance improvement plan or whatever that might be. And taking that pause and sitting down and listening to both sides without bringing your bias and judgment in, it is not easy, right? And especially right now when we are doing all of this in Zoom, it makes it awfully hard. And, and trust me, my team is feeling the pain of it because yeah. they, you know, they question themselves, they doubt themselves when Previously, they were sure-footed to say, yep, this is discrimination. Yes, this is performance. Yes, this is this. Now they are taking that pause to saying, is there something else that I should be thinking about? Should this be, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about minority groups, marginalized groups, and underrepresented groups uh, in our company in tech. And so taking that pause to think that when these complaints are coming up, who is making that complaint? Who is getting, what, what are the effects? And is there a pattern and a theme that I should go back and look for this particular manager, for this particular team, for this particular department? Yeah. And yeah. those are things that they haven't done. But again, I do believe that that's in the realm of things that they are doing, right? This is not an extra job that I'm asking them to do. It is taking a pause to think and to think in a little bit of a different perspective as compared to what they have been taught to do as an HRBP. What about for the folks who who would say, okay, so, I mean, I think that's what you've said is that you've really encouraged your 
team and the folks that you work with to apply DEI lens to the human resources work that they're doing. And so, which I think definitely amplifies HR. What about the folks who say, well, no, DEI should actually be its own so that your your chief of human resources and your chief diversity officer are actually kind of working together. What about for the folks who say, well, if we're looking at this as like an entire business, putting a, a DEI lens on the business, then it's about how do we ensure that the vendors that we're working with, that the suppliers that we work with, that we have sustainable, equitable practices throughout you know our entire business. What do you think about that? that argument because I, I know we've we've heard them all yeah yeah no and melissa i i don't disagree with that viewpoint to say no. that ultimately the dei lens should be applied to everything that we are doing right mm-hmm. and is the chief diversity officer officer the right person maybe should they be sitting at the you know exact table maybe should they be partnered with chro absolutely because i definitely believe that why uh, the DEI work is now expanding and, you know, a lot of insurance companies are now saying, oh, become ESG certified or, you know, th- th- there are B Corp and this and that. And lots of those things are starting to come up. It's fine. And I'm sure they have definitely a place to understand the climate change effects and all of those. But if I stick to just the lane that I'm in, which is the sure. DEI lane, I would definitely say that one person is not going to be able to do this job because it is humongous, right? And so you need a team. Often people get hired as chief diversity officers or chief inclusion officers, and they do not have a team. They may sit at the exact table, they may report into the CEO, they may partner with the CHRO, but they do not have a team. Ultimately, if I was to do this work on my own, I wouldn't get anything done. So without having, you know, very big inclusion team, we are a very small team in that Mm -hmm. respect. The team that I have, I'm saying, why don't I make them into inclusion activists? Similarly, uh, we've got a large HR team where we've got total rewards, we've got benefits, we've got our learning team, our corporate social responsibility. If I can turn all of those 50 to 70 people into inclusion activists, isn't that a win that I can, right? 70 people. And then- the, the activism doesn't stop there, right? The work doesn't stop there. We've got all of our, you know, ERGs in at Relativity, we call them community resource groups. We've got that group. So the, there are roughly 200, 300 of those people that are working on this. And so for a 1500 people organization, the more I can make people sit down, pause, question their own role in this, I think that's what we are all here to do, right? At the end of the day, it is a social justice movement Mm -hmm. that is running across the world. Different places, you have different topics that would be more relevant, right? Like for our team in Poland, the racial justice movement doesn't make sense because they don't have that kind of diversity, but it's the uh, gender diversity, which is, you know, more applicable or people coming from different countries that are going over there at the moment. So it, it would depend, but I think if you've got the lens that what I want to do is create that belonging that mm-hmm. ultimately, no matter who you are, if you are coming to work for us, you will feel that your work matters and you as a human being matter. For me, that's the ultimate goal that we are trying and that equitable experience, right? Because what I'm seeing in tech in a lot of organizations, they publish their data. And of course that data is not, anything to be proud of because there's still work to do. Absolutely. But if you 
focus only on diversity and you do not focus on equitable experiences and inclusion, you're not going to create that belonging. Because what will happen is, yes, you hire black and brown folks. Yes, you hire more women or you know more non-binary people. But at the end of the day, if they still feel unseen, unheard, and not taken care of in the way that they were promised, at the end of the day, their experience is going to be, well, you know what, I joined that place, but I didn't get promoted. I didn't grow. I wasn't given the mentorship that was promised to me, which was which is all there on your website, but then you mm-hmm. never deliver on it. And I think that's a bigger failure than anything else. Uh, who holds the key to all of these things? The employee experience, the recruitment, the onboarding, and to help managers give a more equitable experience. HR holds all of those keys. So for me, any DEI consultant, no matter who they are, how fabulous they are, if they are not able to convince the HR team within the company or any chief diversity officer, if they are not able to convince and bring along the HR team, I don't think they can really make all of the impact that they want. There's so much that I want to kind of unpack there. I want to go back. So, you know, at the top of the episode, I mentioned that I'm heartened to see that there's a lot of chief diversity officer roles that are being published. But I think you you made a really important point that often it is a singular role and there's no team. And so, you know, uh, so we do run the risk of that being sort of a performative role and asking someone to work miracles within an organization. So I think that's a really important point that I don't want to get lost in, in the conversation because I thought that that was important. And I love that you or the way that you mentioned that, you know, part of the way that, that you're working is you are empowering and enabling your team to be activists. So that it's not just the the one the role of this one person to hold DEI that is is like the responsibility of of everyone within the organization. Um I really, I, I, you were on something really interesting too, that the importance of bringing HR along. We're chatting with a number of clients who are saying HR really does hold the entire employee experience from recruitment to potentially retirement or when, they, when they're offboarded. And if that lens isn't applied and if HR doesn't see the value in their role in that, the, the war for talent is, is kind of lost if, if, if HR isn't along. So I just wanted to, to highlight that point as well. I thought it was a really, really interesting one that you made. Is often when you will join, and, and this is not just for tech, I would say any organization that is looking to do DEI work, the first place to look for is hiring, right? A lot of people just say, okay, we, we don't even have any diversity. We are a very homogenous team. Let's go and hire some more people. But again, all of the challenges of the only black person or the only woman or the only, you know, whatever, all of those exist for that one person that you brought to the table. So similar to the CDO who may be, you know, a, a woman, a black person, a this and that, and then they come, the expectation is that you fix us, right? Fix right. whatever is wrong. You're given no budget, you're given no team, but your mandate is so humongous. And the I think if we were to see the attrition rate of chief diversity officers, you will see that barely you know, many of them last a year, two years for a maximum, unless they are supported by a team and unless they are fully bought into by their CHRO and by their HR team, because the work exists over there. So we at Relativity have divided our work under IDB under four pillars, right? We say the workforce, the workplace, the marketplace, and the community, right? So our community is the corporate social responsibility and the ERGs. The workforce and workplace are the pillars, which is about the talent, 
And then the workplace is about wherever the workplace is, right? Whether it's on Zoom, a hybrid, remote, in the office, whatever that is. And how are we changing? You know, what's the culture in the place that we are bringing? And then the marketplaces, I think you referred to it, Melissa, about you know the vendors and the suppliers and the product and the service and all of those lovely elements. And I have to be very honest, it is not my expertise on that marketplace area. Sure. If, if I do not build partnerships within the organization of people who've got the expertise, then we're not going to make any difference on that because I have zero understanding of all of those except for what I Google and read mm-hmm. through you know, the work that everybody else has done. So again, it, you need to build those partnerships. Now, if you are capable and if the organization culture allows you to build those partnerships as a CDO, so be it. Or if HR, who already holds those relationships, then it makes it easier, right? That's one step you don't have to take because you already have those relationships. You already have those relationships to multiple people in the organization because they know who you are, what you do for them, and therefore it's easy for you to go to say, hey, we would like to implement this. Would you like to come sit down at the table and have a conversation why this is important? It makes it a little bit easier, in my viewpoint, if you are able to train your HR folks to say, to listen to the stories that are going unheard, to put on those DAI lenses when they are building a process, when they are looking at a complaint, when they are building their hiring training, you will see that they are able to make the difference in the organization much, much more faster. Because again, this is part of their job. They don't have to do it on top of their job, but this should be almost become that this is how we do work, right? I, I envision a world where we don't need chief diversity officers mm. and your HR people, each and every HR person is a chief diversity officer of the I don't even think I could say anything better than that to to wrap up our conversation. I love that. I love what you said, that this is responsibility of HR and that everyone should feel and hold that uh, responsibility in the work that they do. And I think just quickly to sum up there, I love that the the way that you are, are you know working with your team to sort of empower them and to hold them accountable to so to do this work, not on top of their work, but as as part of it and to, to look at it that way. I think that's really powerful. Grima, I can't thank you enough for sharing your thoughts and your insights with me today and with our, our listeners. So for those of you, if you want to keep up uh, to date with Garima, and you can follow her on LinkedIn. As always, if you have any of your own questions or would like to be a guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Until next time, I'm Dr. Melissa Horn, and this is Just One Cue.